0: My name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance But the day of the Lord will come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Y'all can have a seat. Morning. Good morning, happy summer! Any, anybody feeling like it's summer lately? And man, we were on my back um, porch last night grilling burgers with friends. It was it was like this. This is how summer is supposed to be. If I could hit the pause button and we could just skip over that like 119 degrees we'll get in July, like perfect. So, um, my name is Brett. I am glad to be with you guys today. Uh, Three weeks ago, we started a series on the topic of patience, um, because uh, I like to frustrate myself um, (laughs) and, and preach to myself about things that I know... That I need and we talked about how those um, that is something that is deeply absent it's not just absent from our culture our culture is hostile towards patience um, we feel like that if we we're being asked to wait that that's like personal offense you know sometimes and we've been trained against that but scripture tells us that love is Patient, that patience is a weapon of righteousness to be held in the right hand and the left, that patience is connected with wisdom, that foolishness is connected with not being able to wait, uh, and that it's, um, it's, it's something that we need in our spiritual formation as we are being shaped into the image of God, because God is a patient God. Uh, last week, um, we talked about how uh, patience is about the tension between where things are and where we wish they were and that there's this gap that creates tension um, that forces us to figure out what are we going to do what are we going to put in the gap and and we saw how jesus invites us to put patience in the gap which is not inaction um, which is not saying the gap doesn't matter the tension is fine um, it, it, it's it's not saying that we need to just accept current reality. Um, it is saying that the tension should not exist, but it does. And so how will I live in the space between what is and what we are hoping for and that, that what we put in there is patience and that we can even be patient with ourselves because we cannot make ourselves who we want to be. There's no like quick psychological trick that we can um, just magically forward ourselves into being exactly who we wish we were, who God made us to be, Um, that we have to be patient with ourselves because God is patient with us. I want to wrap up today by talking about what do you do when the gap is around God himself? What What do you do when your current reality... And what you think is right and good and just and holy are not matching up when you think about God himself. I was meeting with a friend um, a few weeks ago for coffee who's been through a few things over the last few years and his words were, this is a committed follower of Jesus. He, he, he said, I have been wrestling with, is God holy or isn't he? Because I, I know he's supposed to be, but what I've seen lately, I'm struggling with that. What do we do with the gap here between what we wish God was doing and what he seems to be doing right now? Now, for some of us, that may seem like uh, a conversation we shouldn't even have. Like that's, oh my gosh, can we even talk about disappointment with God and gaps when it comes to, to God Almighty? What do we do with that? Luckily, our tradition is brilliant at this, is brilliant at this, and lives in the gap in some significant ways. And I just want to take a look at what it means to have patience with God this week. Um, when the early church was, was born... Um, there were uh, waves of what what we call persecution. It wasn't constant. It wasn't all the time. It wasn't turned up to 10 all the time. Um, But there would be these moments when people in society would experience something they didn't like. They would find a group that was different than them, and they would say that everything wrong in our society is because of that group of people that we don't like, because people did things differently back then. We've made a lot of progress <laughs> as a society. And one of the groups that was easy to blame things on um, was Christians. And, uh, and so there would be these, these waves. And, uh, and they started to really pick up steam across the Roman Empire, and most famously under the emperor Nero. Uh, when there was a fire that burned Rome and he blamed it on the Christians and persecution um, absolutely erupted and Nero kind of went off the rails. And what do you do when the guy who is literally running the world hates you and is crazy? Right? I mean, this is, this is not good stuff. Um, and there is actually an entire genre of literature that is born from the Christian movement in that space. Uh, and it, the, the language has become so loaded for us. I just want to unpack that a little bit. Um, the, the language is apocalypse. The, the, the kind of literature that is born in that moment is called apocalypse. Uh, apocalypse means to be, it, it doesn't mean the crashing end of the world, actually. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with like the rock and Vin Diesel saving the world, you know, from, like, from a James Bond style villain. It's, that's not what apocalypse means. Um, apocalypse means to, to reveal that God is taking truth that is hard to see and he's letting people have a peek at the truth. That's what apocalypse means. Um, Our word is revelation, to to reveal. And and it's in that place that, um, that Christian apocalypse, Christian revelation, Christian let me see, let me let you take a peek at the truth, is born. And obviously our apocalypse, our peek at the truth, is a book called Revelation. And so I want to take um, today and look at what happens when people who are in suffering, when the world is not right, who are struggling with the world around them and need to be patient with God, what is it that God reveals to them? Um, I I think it's worth noting, though, that it was only about 140 years ago that our current understanding of the book of Revelation became super popular um, that in our culture, you know, that this idea that Revelation is about like this this like crazy evil dude that's going to take over the world at the end of time, um, and that there's going to be this like massive, th- it, like that, that that is a recent and very Western European understanding, if, if you've seen like the Left Behind movies or the Left Behind books, um, that's, that's not how the church has understood Revelation for the vast majority of its history, um, they were talking about what was going on right then, and how they were going to deal with um, the beast, Nero, who was running the world right then. Um, That's that's what Revelation is about. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 9, John, um, who has, we don't know when exactly this was written, Um, All the the other disciples eventually get executed. We're assuming some of them have been at this point. Um, Emperor Nero tries to kill him in the Colosseum. His execution doesn't go well, and so he just puts him in timeout on an island called Patmos. Um, And like, dude, you can die over there. Thank you very much. Um, And this is a letter written to the church under his rule, um, under the the rule of Nero. Um, Verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion... In the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, there's that word, that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He gives three things there that are ours because we belong to Jesus and that make us brothers. Did you see what the the three things are? That are ours because we belong to Jesus and make make us family. They're suffering. The kingdom. And patient endurance. Three things that are ours because we belong to Jesus and that bind us together in Christian family. Our suffering, our current reality, the kingdom of God that is coming, and the patient endurance to hold the space in the middle. I'm so glad John listened to my sermon last week (laughs) and thought, Brett, that was a really good way of talking about patience. And um, (laughs) Truth is just truth, right? this is pretty brilliant, that part of what it means to follow Jesus is that we live in a world that isn't right. And if we are living in a world that is completely tidy, then we are either living in a lie and ignoring the world as it is, or we have isolated ourselves from the world that God wants us to impact and change. If I said today, I want to talk about a mass shooting that happened recently, you would have to ask the question, which one? Buffalo? Texas? A hospital in Tulsa? Which one? The world's not right and we should feel it. To isolate ourselves from feeling it does not look like the Jesus who went to the cross for us. We should feel it. Ours in Jesus is experiencing pain. Also, ours in Jesus is the kingdom of God that inaugurated, let loose by the resurrection of Jesus is the belief and truth that God is coming to make the world right for forever. That he is going to make things right and that he is at work in that right now, but we are not there yet. Theologians um, have worked on the language for this and I I love it when like these people with tons of, they've got PhDs and and, and all of that and they've got super fancy language when they come down to language that like my nine-year-old could have figured out, like that's always kind of fun. And they call this the already, not yet, Existence. The already not yet existence of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is here. It is here. You've seen it at some point. You've felt it. You've experienced it. You've seen it change people's lives. But it is also not yet here. And we are living with patient endurance for God to make all things right in the middle of suffering and the kingdom. And as Christians, Those are ours to receive in Jesus because we belong to him and to learn how to hold together. And in that, it makes us brothers and sisters. What the early church lived with was actually far more difficult than what we live with any day, any day. The emperor was crucifying Christians in his garden and lighting them on fire at night so that he could walk around. Hey, we were street lamps. What do you know? We are not. We are not living in that world. We have just assumed that through technology and modern whatever that we can remove all the suffering in the world, the current reality, and just forward into a into a perfect world. But we have to admit that this is where we are. So, what do we do? What do we fill in the gap when it comes to God? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? because you're supposed to be doing something, and as I look around the world, it doesn't seem acceptable to me. Some of you have experienced this, obviously, on um, the massive scale that we all do. We feel the ripple effects of whether we're talking about the war in Ukraine, or, or mass shootings, or whatever, but we also deal with it in incredibly personal ways. Individual diagnosis, relationships that are falling apart, financial struggle, addiction, Whatever it is, over and over and over again, each of us have our own present reality that we are trying to live with. How do we fill the gap when it comes to God? What are you doing? Um, If we could skip ahead a few chapters in Revelation, John gets this picture of the throne room of heaven. And in chapter 6, verse 9, it says, when he opened the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait. A little longer. This is fascinating because we have a group of people that are in the presence of God and they are still looking at God saying, God, the reality that we are living in and that the world is existing in is not acceptable. How long, Lord? How long, Lord, are we going to keep doing this? In, fa- in fact, this is brilliant. They say, how long, sovereign Lord? Can you even put those into one sentence? the almighty king of the universe. What are you doing? Should those live together? Apparently scripture thinks that we should, that they should. And they say, how long until you avenge, until you judge, until you make things right? There, you know, we say a lot in our culture right now, don't, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. What about when something should be judged? When something that is wrong should be called wrong? When something that is not right should be made right? How long, O oh Lord? This, this is, a, is a skill that I think we, we are lacking um, in our little tribe in Christianity. And luckily, our our scripture is rich with it. Um, Psalm chapter 6. Just, I'm just picking like a couple. Um, just, for, just for a quick um, overview. Verse 3: My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. That's this very personal. There is something going on in my life. How long, Lord, because I don't see you here. Um, It's not just in the Psalms just to pick a prophet. Um, Here's the prophet prophet Habakkuk, which is always fun to try to to look like you know what you're doing when you say Habakkuk. Like, how are you even supposed to pronounce that? I don't think anybody knows. Okay, this is how it opens The prophecy of Habakkuk, the prophet received. So, this is what he received from God How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hymn in the righteous so that justice is perverted. How long, Lord... And now that one is incredibly societal. That one's like about the systems in our world that aren't working right. Justice is is paralyzed. The law is perverted. What are we going to do about this, God? What are you going to do? Like Psalm 113, incredibly personal. Habakkuk, incredibly societal and systemic. How are you going to address these things, God? Because they are not acceptable. Now, you could see this as an act of complaint. Like just kind of complaining you know, here, here's the thing, I would say complaint is usually talking to someone with a sense of entitlement. Complaint is, is, is usually talking to someone who can't actually fix the problem, unless you're the person that always wants to see the manager. Can we just have a word for a second? <laughs> you usually don't need to see the manager. The the 16-year-old that's trying their best to get you your latte on time. Like, just, you know, give them a minute. They'll be okay. This isn't complaining. The word for this is lament, and it is an act of trust. Lament is an act of trust. It is hanging in the balance, and it is saying, God, I know you want it to be different. And I know you're the one that can do something about it. So when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? It is talking to the person who can solve the problem. It is talking to the person who wants to solve the problem. They are just not solving the problem on our timetable. What are we going to do about that? And lament is an act of trust. And it's a muscle that we do not have developed very well in our tribe. To trust God enough... To confront him and say, Lord, what are you doing? That is actually the sign of a strong relationship. Um, yesterday, uh, in, in my home, um, my, my wife said something and I said something back. And she said, you know you're being rude today. Is that a sign of a weak relationship or a strong relationship? And a few minutes later, I said, I'm sorry, I've been rude today. That's the sign of a good relationship, I think, when someone can confront you and you can engage in conversation in a way that doesn't get defensive. And here's, here's the thing. I think that at the end of the day, God says, I know, I know, I know, I'm with you. What do you have to lament in your life? Let me just, let me just give you a minute right now what do you have in your life? Not, this isn't complaint, this is an act of trust. To say, God, when are you going to do something about this? Do any of you right now, that in a way that would be appropriate, could you share maybe some of those things? What, what is it that you would lament in your life or in our world right now? Reconciliation with a child. Reconciliation with a child. We got anybody on that? Yeah. Anybody else? Justice. Justice. Yeah. In all of its many forms that we need to see it right now. John Lewis, civil rights icon. I remember I mentioned this in a sermon a while back when he was um, being interviewed. Uh, They were talking to him about patience because he, he would talk a lot about letting people in the civil rights movement know to be patient. And they said, how can you say that and say we want our freedom and we want it now? And he said, what I have learned is that something that is wrong should change now. When I say patience, I mean the waiting won't break me. That's strong. What else do you have to lament today? National violence. What's that? National violence. Yeah, violence in our nation. Yeah, That we can carry these things to God. Sometimes people say, I don't know how to pray. Start with what you're mad about. The Psalms do about a third of the time. Jesus himself on the cross, a lament Psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What else do we do in the gap besides just lament? Um, James, let's look at him. I, I talked about how he wrapped up his letter talking about patience because people are experiencing difficulty in their world. Um, James 5, chapter, um, verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He points to the prophets, like Habakkuk, who is deeply upset, or Isaiah, Isaiah who confronted, um, we talk about speaking truth to power, he did that, didn't go great for him, he got cut in half with a wooden saw under King Manasseh, because they were out of metal ones, I don't know, Um, and uh, you know, sometimes this doesn't go well, but they got to work while lamenting, they were working while waiting that we do not have to wait until we get to where we want to go to work towards the world that we want to see. They spoke the word of God in the middle of the gap. Uh, St. Thomas More, um, he has this quote. Uh, the things, good Lord, that we pray for, give us grace to labor for. We need to send our thoughts and prayers to people. We also need to get to work, right? 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 The things, good Lord, that we pray for, give us grace to labor for. We're going to work for the world that we want to see in the middle of it. Some of y'all know one of, our, one of our saints who went home to be with Jesus a little bit ago, Sherry Maynor, when she got her cancer diagnosis. She would take her IV stand and go from room to room on the floor and pray for the other cancer patients. She was working while she was waiting. She was getting to work. So whatever deep pain that we carry, whatever it is we are lamenting, maybe we can ask God, while I am waiting for you to move, I want you to fill me so that I can move and be a part of the solution in someone else's life or in my own little circle right now. We can be working in the waiting. Second um, Peter Again, written to people that are, that are struggling, um, chapter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. When someone in the Bible says that, you want to lean in. Do not forget this one thing. If you're running out the house and your mama says to you, do not forget this one thing, you stop. And you say, yes, mom, right? Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the day, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day... The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, as as I understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in that way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you the wisdom that God gave him. That somehow, in ways that I don't understand, God's waiting to act is for everyone's good. I don't understand it. I can't piece it together. I don't know how that works. But we believe that he is going to act. But in the waiting, as he says, we can live holy and godly lives. We can be holy in the waiting. That we don't have to wait like the world waits. We can be a sign to the world that in the waiting, in the struggle, in the pain, in the suffering that I can still reflect the character of Jesus who hung on the cross in immense suffering waiting for the resurrection. That in that place he forgave the people that nailed him to the cross. He spoke to John and said, will you take care of my mother? No bad language, word, phrase, hatred came out of his mouth. He stood in that space holy giving grace to the people around him. And in that place, God worked salvation for the world. We can be holy in the waiting. We don't have to give up on our holiness and our godliness because the world isn't what we want it to be. We can be holy in the waiting. Lastly, when the book of Revelation comes to a close, I just... I don't know that I've ever used these in a sermon. These are the last words of our scripture. In um, chapter 22, verse 7. Look, this is the word that God gives to people who are trying to be patient with him. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And I, John, the one who heard these things, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. Or verse twelve Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, they may go through the gates. Into the city. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Um, Verse 20. These are the last words in our scripture. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. That God's promise is that one day, I will reconcile the tension and bring heaven to earth for forever, and we won't have to live in the gap anymore. Patience is what our faith is about, if we want to frame it that way. Patience is looking at the world that we exist in and saying that God is at work and will make all things new. And that the only thing that is really going to satisfy us is when the king of heaven comes to be with us for forever. That we look at the heavens and we say, come Lord, come on Lord. Be with us, Lord. Come now, Lord. Make the world right now, Lord. We want to be with you now. And I think he looks at the earth and says, I'm coming. I'm coming. Our job is in the suffering and in the kingdom and in the patient endurance to look towards Jesus from whom all good things come, to live together as brothers and sisters and to be a part of making the world right here and now. We may not see it, In our lifetime, John didn't. But if God is not coming to make the world right, then all of us need a new hobby. But if faith is worth anything, we can hang in the balance because resurrection is coming. So how can you, in this place, how can you be patient with God and lament How can you work in the waiting? And how can you live a holy and godly life in the waiting? Let that be something that draws you to the Lord, not pushes us away. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Look, I am coming soon. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all, right? So let's pray. God, help us to be patient with you. The world is not right. We are not right. But we refuse to give up the belief that you have left us to the world as it is. And we look forward to you bringing the kingdom here and now and we wanna be a part of your work to make the world right here and now. The things that we pray for, good Lord, give us the grace to labor for. Lord, help us to be patient, but patient as we work, patient as we look heavenward, patient as we expect you to come and make good on your promises. So come, Lord Jesus, make us whole. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.